are in a series called Exploring God, and this is the conclusion. Today in your small group, or this week in your small group, you'll be discussing, can I have a relationship with God? And uh, it's for all you small group leaders, thank you so much for, for leading, for hosting, for opening up your home, for being a part. For those that are going, we just think it's instrumental in your walk with Christ, in your discipleship process, that you're connected to a smaller group of people. And for those that have been faithful in it, I'm sure you have experienced the benefits. But I did not want to end this series because it's really trying to answer questions, spiritual questions that people are asking. And the question I get asked the most is really what's up with the Holy Spirit? What, what is, and I've already said this. You can build a great church on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times that scares people because you know what we've done? We, we have filtered what we think about the Holy Spirit through the lens of people. And, and the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird, and we get weirded out because maybe, or maybe there's some anxiousness, or there's some fear, or there's some, there's some, well, I understand God the Father, and I love Jesus the Son, but again, what's up with this Holy Spirit? And I would say to you, if you're fearful, if you're afraid, if you're weary of the Holy Spirit, it's because you don't have a proper understanding of the Holy Spirit. Because if you knew the Holy Spirit, you would, you would want Him, you would desire, you would long for, you would pray, you would want a fresh infilling of His, of his presence. So, so today that's my goal. And here's what Paul said. I think it's a great opening and a great passage of Scripture just to let us know how important the Holy Spirit is. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, at Corinth his second letter, and he's bringing it to a conclusion. So he's told them everything they're doing good, everything they need to change. And he bring, so he's bring, here's his last words to them. May the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, and the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you forever. And, and, and again, can we, here's what Paul is saying. May you experience God's grace. And I think to that everybody would say, amen, we need God's grace, our to Christ's grace. May you come to realize God's love and how great it is. And we would say yes, amen to that. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, I want you to experience, I want you to know, I want you to be in fellowship, not just friendship, but intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. When, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, it's on the same level uh, of God and God the Son. When, when Jesus said, go make disciples, he said, go make them and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was making a declaration that, that the Holy Spirit is just as important. When, when Ananias and Sapphira, they sold a piece of property and they lied about it, Peter called them in and said, hey guys, here, verse 4, Acts chapter 5, verse 4. You, hey, you guys didn't lie to me, but you lied to God. The next verse, verse 5, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And, and so he, when you think of the Holy Spirit... He, he, uh, he, he carries and does the same work that God does. He played a role in creation. The Bible says he raised Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. He causes people to be born again. The Holy Spirit is given the same divine attributes as God. When you look at the word in Hebrews 9, 15, it says the Holy Spirit is eternal. It means he has no beginning or no ending. It says he's, in Psalms 139 that he's omnipresent, means he's everywhere. Where can I go? The psalmist said, where can I get away from your presence? 
And, and the, the word's Holy Spirit, and you can't, you can't do it, he found out. 1 Corinthians 2.10, he's omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. Luke one thirty five says he's all-powerful. Well, what, what does the Holy Spirit do? And I can't tell you everything, but I want to tell you a few things. And here's, I can't tell you everything because I just don't have time, but I can tell you a few things. Here's the first thing. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And if you're taking notes, fill in the blanks, write that down. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. If you're not taking notes, take notes and put this in there. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. That's his job. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. If, if you, if you want to study and learn about the Holy Spirit this, this week, this afternoon, go to John chapter 16. It's, it's really a discourse on the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus teaching. And what he told them was, he, he said, guys, it's better that I go away. Well, why is it better that you go away? We need you. You've walked with us for three, three years. We, we've learned everything about you all this time. What, why, why would it be better for you to go? Because if I don't go, I can't send the advocate. I can't send the counselor. I can't send the comforter. The word advocate means come alongside. Jesus said it's imperative I return to the Father. And when I get back to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he is going to come alongside you. How many have ever thought to themselves, maybe like I have, that it sure would be a lot easier serving God if Jesus was right beside me? If I was going through temptation and, and, I, and Jesus was right there saying, hey, it's probably not a good idea that you go down that road. It's, it's probably, stand. It's probably best that you don't do it that way. What about when I'm going through hurt or, or fear or whatever, that Jesus was right there beside me saying, hey, stand in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Or when I was going through whatever, and, and you know what the Holy Spirit says? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the advocate. I'm going to come alongside. So when you're going through temptation, I'm going to urge you to go in the right way. When you're going through a problem, I'm going to be a sense of peace and comfort. When you don't know what direction to go, I'm going to point you in the right way. I'm going to come alongside and be what you need to be all that God intended you to, to be. That the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He convinces us of our need for a Savior. That, that's one of the, the foundational things that he does because you can't come to know Jesus without being convinced that you're a sinner. You, you can't accept a Savior till you know that you need him, and that's the role of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, they get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful day. They, they, in Acts 2, 1 through 4, it's, a, it's just a life-changing event in, in the disciples' life. 100, 120 of them were there. And Peter stands up to declare and to talk about what had just happened. And, and under, under the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, he presents the gospel to him. If you read it, it's not... I mean, it's probably not one of the best messages you've ever heard. It's, it's, I mean, in my mind, it's really not even that convincing. He just says that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he resurrected, and you were the ones that put him on the cross. And he said, you, you know about David because the audience would have known King David. And he said, he was a great man, killed Goliath. But when they put him in a tomb, he's still there. 
But Jesus got put in a tomb, and he resurrected on the third day. And, and Jesus, God who made Jesus, it made him to be Lord and King of all. And the Bible says the men and women were convinced in their heart. They were convicted of their sin, and they cried out, what must I do to be saved? Again, not a, maybe not the best message, but God takes the message, and, and the Spirit of God takes it, and he implodes it, or, or he, he causes men and women to realize that they need Jesus. I was preaching probably my first time, one of my first times preaching. I was about 20 years old, and I just started shaving once a month, and I was really excited about that, and, and it, was, it, it was good, and, and I didn't have much to say, but I had a little bit to say, and I had a lot of passion. You think I spit now? I really, you think I talk fast now? I mean, I talk fast, and I was in a group of about 15 to 20 young people, and there was a big there was a big guy. I found out later he was 17 years old. I'm, a, I'm 5'10", 130 pounds back then. He's about 6'4", 250. And he looks like Chewbacca. He is just a hair bear. He's got a full beard at 17 years old. And, and he was intimidating to say the least. Somewhat fearful of what he was going to do, how he was going to respond. And, you know, it's my first time and I'm trying to plead and just whatever. And I finished up the message. Not a great message. Probably not even a good message. And I ask if anybody wants to get saved to come forward. And here comes this big burly fella. And I'm thinking, you know, what's, what, is he mad? What's happening? And he gets to the front and, and I ask him, what's going on? What, do you, what can I pray for? And he starts telling me a little bit of his past. And then he just starts crying. And all he can say is, I need Jesus. He said, I never heard the gospel before. I didn't know Jesus came for me nor died for me. And I want him to be in my life. And, and you know, you think, what is that? How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. God takes the Word of God and the Spirit of God, implodes it on the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, and it comes alive. Can I just take the fear out of witnessing for, to you? It's not your job to get people saved. It's your job to witness. It's your job to live in such a way that they'll find how you live attractive. It's the Spirit of God's job to draw people to Christ. That's what he does. When, when my, I've shared this story before, but I've got an uncle that's a missionary evangelist to India. He's been going there for 60 years, raises money for, for now girls that are being trafficked. And when he was 19 years old, he was going for the first time to India. And so all the family got together. They were going to see him off, some extended family. About 20 people had gathered at this West Florida airport, P- Peninsula, uh, Pensacola airport, small airport that he was flying out of. And they get together. And uh, they thought they were just going to have a little huddle. The 20 of them gathered together, bowed their heads. And my grandfather didn't believe in that. He just lifted up his voice. And I think as loud, he said, God, David's going to India. 600 people in the airport that day. 600 people knew that David was going to India. And, and, and he didn't say a little bless me prayer, uh, you know, kind of under his voice and, and, and whatever, politically correct. And I'm not telling you to do this in the airport. I'm just telling you to do what he, I'm just telling you what he did. He just began to plead the blood of Jesus over everybody and everything. He prayed for my uncle, for the pilot, for the co-pilot, for every per- I think he covered the whole billion population in India by name and just was going on and on and on. And finally, the guy at the gate, the, 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 the uh, whatever they call them, people came and tapped, hey, the plane's about to leave. And, and so David, embarrassed, and rightfully, maybe rightfully so, and, and a little bit ashamed, he gets on the plane, 19-year-old kid, t- head kind of ducked down sits down, didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to see anybody, and the man beside him said, hey, son, was that your father? And he said, yes, sir, that was my dad. And he said, don't be embarrassed. My dad used to pray like that over me. 20 years ago, he died. And when he died, I got mad at God. He got mad at the church. I've turned my back on Jesus and hadn't darkened the door of a church in 20 years. 
But today when your dad prayed that prayer, something stirred my heart. Tears coming down his face. He said, today I've given my life back to Jesus. And as soon as I get off this plane, I'm telling my family, my family, we're going to begin to attend church. What is that? What does that? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent that God uses to convict men and women, boys and girls, of their need for a Savior. You did not come to know Jesus because you heard good preaching. You did not come to know Jesus because you were in a worship service. You came to know Jesus because the comforter, the, the advocate, the come alongside convinced you that you needed a Savior and you surrendered your life to Jesus. And when that happens, well, when do I get the Holy Spirit? When you say yes to the Lord. When you repent of your sins, when you invite him to be your Lord and leader, he comes into your life. And this is the second thing that I want to tell you he does. The Holy Spirit conforms us to Christ because that's the goal. When we get saved, the goal is to become more and more like Jesus, to act like him and live like him and respond like him and talk like him. That's the goal of the believer. And the, and the, and the means to do that is by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a scripture, Titus 3, 5. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, not because, not because we're great, not because we're good, but because God is good, that's why we're saved, and because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. In that second, last sentence is where we get a theological term called regeneration. And what happens at regeneration, a big term for, for really just a, a, a simple statement when you get born again, the Spirit of God comes into your life, and He breathes spiritual life into you. You become born again. You know what Peter said? You were caught out of darkness into His marvelous light. When you say yes to Jesus, it's the Spirit of God that regenerates you or causes spiritual life. It's the same, it's the same word used when, when God breathed life into Adam's nostrils, the exact same words, that, that Adam came into a physical being. When you're born again, you come alive spiritually. It's, 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 re, it's the word's called regeneration, but, but that's not all there is. Here, let me give you the example in the Bible, John 20, of when it happened in the life of the disciples. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, because that's what disciples do, they get together on the first day of the week. That's our Sunday. I just, I, I just, that just popped out to me. They don't, they don't fill their calendar with other things. And you don't because you're here. So this is for the video audience today. They get, this is kind of supposed to be funny, but nobody's laughing. But on the evening of the first day of the week, they got together because that's what they did. And the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. They had just seen their Messiah hung on a cross. And now they're afraid for their lives, so they lock the doors, and they're in their holy huddle. And Jesus comes and stands amongst them. Can you imagine? And he declares to them, peace be with you. And he said, hey, look at my hands and look at my side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And who are the disciples? The ones that walk with Jesus, Peter, John, Matthew, James, those guys. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I got a, I got a mission for you. I got a purpose for you. And I'm going to send you, but, but let me do this. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What was happening in John 20? They were, they were being regenerated. Up until that time, they walked with God like Abraham and Isaac. They, they walked with God under the old covenant. 
because Jesus had not died and resurrected. Now that Jesus had died and resurrected, they could walk with Jesus under the New Testament. And so Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit, and they came to life spiritually. And I want you to remember that because I'm going to return to that. But not only does regeneration mean an impartation of new life, it also means an impartation of a new nature. When you get born again, you get a, you get a new nature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You get a new life, a new heart, a new goal, a new mindset, a new love, a new agenda. You get a new, you get a new nature. You, something happens to you that's, that's not natural. It's supernatural. And God imparts to you a new nature. I, I was at Smith Mountain Lake one, one Saturday, one weekend with a group of boys. And, and they, this, this guy was walking around with his family. And he had a pet pig. And I don't know how you feel about pigs, but we eat pig in my house. We, they don't come into my house alive. They, we don't, we don't, we don't, they don't sleep on a mat at my foot. They don't, pig, they weren't made for that. They were made for eating, for frying. But this guy had a pet pig and he cleaned it up, put a little bandana around his neck. Taking, you know, pigs have a couple hairs and he had taken those hairs and somehow got them to stand up and he had put a bow in the pig's, in the pig's, I guess it's a hair, hair, not hairs. And, and, he, and he was walking him on a leash and calling him names, having everybody pet him. And, and, you know, this is what I know about a pig. He can sleep at the foot of your bed and he can eat off your plate. But if he finds a mud hole, he's going in it. And he's going to waller in it and he's going to get muddy again. Why? Because that's the pig's nature. You can't change a pig. I don't care how many bows you put in his head, how many bass he has. A pig's nature is to love dirt. We have a nature that loves sin. We have a nature that's bent towards going against God. We have a nature that wants to do things our own way. If we try to live in our own nature, it leads to death. That's why God, by his grace and salvation, gives us a new nature. He gives us the nature of God. And our, here's what happens. Our want-tos begin to change. I don't want to do that anymore. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that we get it all right altogether. It doesn't mean that we never struggle anymore. It doesn't mean that we never fail anymore. It just means that that road I used to go down, I don't want to go down anymore. That crowd I used to hang out with, I don't want to hang out with them anymore. That stuff I used to watch, I don't want to watch that stuff anymore because I got a new nature, and this new nature is causing me to want to be more like Jesus, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Here, here's what the Bible said. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And this, is a, this was a struggle for me. And to be honest, it still is a struggle. Because I'm, I'm very task-driven. That's kind of my personality. And task-driven, here's, here's I have a to-do list on my day off. And it starts early in the morning. And if I don't check it off, I don't feel good about myself or about my day. And right or wrong, that's how I am. And so when it talks about being changed... I want to do that. I want to be disciplined enough. I, I want to get that on my list and check it out, check it off. And the problem was that I'm not good enough. I'm not disciplined enough. I, I can't hold on long enough. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, hey, quit striving. Quit, quit, quit. And, and there, is, there is, you work with the Holy Spirit, but quit trying to do it all on your own and let the Spirit of God renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
see the Holy Spirit imparts a new nature. This is, this is what I would say. If you think you're born again, but you have no desire to resist sin, no longing to flee from sin or run from sin. I didn't say struggle with sin, but there's no desire to stay away from sin. You might have had a false conversion. Because when you get born again, you get a new nature and your want to's change. If you think you're born again, but there's no passion to be more like Jesus, maybe you've had a false conversion. If you think you've been born again, but there's no repentance, there's no turning from and turning to, there's no, there's no, there's no spiritual break with this old lifestyle and a commitment to Christ, if there's no change in character, no change of heart, no turning of affections, you might have had a false conversion. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I just want to keep saying this. I'm not saying you're going to get it perfect all the time, that you're going to get it right all the time, but there has got to be a longing, a desire, a bent now towards doing what God wants you to do. Here, here, here. when people have a true conversion, things begin to change. Instead of wanting to please self, you want to please God. Instead of wanting to surrender, you be the leader, you want God to be the leader. Instead of living your life with your ideas and your, your philosophy, you try to live according to the Word of God. And the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit enables, allows, and requires that you begin to change. So the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin, helps me realize I need a Savior. He, he, he causes me to change. That's, that's what He does so I'm going to let the Spirit renew my thoughts and my attitudes. I'm going to let the Spirit work in me. That's why, here, here can I just say this? Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And, and before that, he says, it's God who works in you to, to will and to do works according to His purpose. This is how it works. The Holy Spirit works in, we got to work it out. You, you know, you've come home and maybe you've had a rough day and, and dinner's not ready yet and dinner... It's supposed to be ready because that's what whoever is supposed to do. And, and so you're mad and you, and you want to say, why, why aren't we eating yet? And, and the Holy Spirit says, you know, it. You, don't say that. Don't go down that road. It would better be, it'd be better for you to go to bed hungry than to say something like that. Just shut up and be still. You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit working in us. But we still have to work it out. Now, I have to choose to shut my lips, which is very, very hard for me. Keep, keep praying for me, will you? But if I want to partner with the Holy Spirit, He works in, I begin to work out. Here's the last thing He does. Not the last thing. Again, I'm just telling you the things I'm telling you. There's a lot more, but this is what I want to focus on. The Holy Spirit empowers us for service. So, so he, he convinces us of our sins. He causes us to change. And He empowers us for service. Here's what Acts says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I, I, want, I, want, a, I, want, I want you to be my representative. I want you to make a difference. I, I want you to influence those around you, and so it, I just don't want to indwell you. I want to empower you, Jesus said, by my Spirit. You say, well, isn't the indwelling Spirit enough? I thought when I got saved, I'm going to heaven, what else do I need? Well, not according to Scripture. Because in John chapter 20, when those disciples were indwelled, you remember I said the Spirit of God breathed, got Jesus breathed on them and they were indwelled with the Holy Spirit? You know what they did? They went back to fishing. And fishing's a noble, noble job. There's nothing wrong with that. But God had called them to be fishers of men. 
And so Jesus comes back on the scene later, and he says, hey, guys, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to spend some time in this room, and I want you to pray for the baptism or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because I'm going to, I know that you're indwelled. You've already been regenerated. You're already changing and conforming to my image, but I got something else I want to do in your life. I want to empower you for service. And so in Acts chapter 2, they're, they're, they're in there, and when the day of Pentecost, it came. And, and the day of Pentecost, that's a celebration, a festival in the, in the Old Testament, and it's, it's 50 days after the resurrection, so that's all Pentecost means. And they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So there was this tangible expression or tangible manifestation of the Holy Spirit and they saw what seemed to be they didn't know what it was but it looked like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them all of who all of the disciples who in John chapter 20 had already been indwelt by the Holy Spirit and were being conformed to the image of God they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them the Spirit of God came upon them, and they worshipped intensely, intensely, and they spoke in tongues freely, and they were empowered supernaturally, and that's where Peter stands up. In John 20, he goes back to fishing. In Acts chapter 2, he stands up, and he gives this, this sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. With the indwelling Spirit, you're saved, and you're going to heaven, but who, who just wants the indwelling Spirit when you can have the empowering Spirit? Who, who, who just wants to go to heaven when you can affect the lives of those around you? Who just wants to go to heaven when you can bust heaven wide open and hear the words, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant? Who just wants to slide into heaven because, because you, you just have? And, and who wants to take people with you to heaven and, and be bold as a lion and be sure in their testimony and be faithful to the end? And there, there is an empowering spirit that God wants to baptize you in. And it's the same spirit that indwells you, but it's another work of his grace. And he wants to empower you for service. If you'll open up your spirit and your heart, and you'll allow him to do it. You say, well, that's just for professionals. No, it's for you. It's for, it is for me. It's for you. The promise is for you, for your children, and all who are far off. I mean, we're so upset right now with the political system, and I'm just saying, God, touch the church. If God will touch the church, who cares who's in office? If God touches the church, who, who cares who sits in the White House? If the church would be the church, we would accomplish the thing that God has called us. And I think you're here today because you want to be the church. But, but I'm just telling you, you can't do it on your own power. You can't do it in your own giftedness. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We need the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And we need Him on a continual basis. It's not enough just to get filled. You need to get filled and refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled with His power so that you can make a difference. I love, one of my favorite football players is Brett Favre. I just... I love him. He was, they had a special on him the other night. And, you know, he played 160 games in a row without missing a start. He'd play with a broke foot. He'd play with a dislocated shoulder. And some people would say that's stupid. Some people would say it's courageous. I don't know. But I admire the guy. Anybody that would play with that kind of passion and that kind of heart and that kind of zeal, you got to admire. And when they, when they interviewed all his, his teammates, they said, what did you love much, much, most about Brett? And they would say, he just made us better. He made us better. And I don't, I don't know, I, can't throw foot, I couldn't throw football to the back of that room, 
right? Now, I, I'm not a football player, but I do know I want to live like, I want to live like a Christian, like Brett Favre played football. I want a passion about me. I want to live for the fun of the game. Yo, I saw Brett Favre. Warren Sapp hit him one time. Warren Sapp's this great, big, old, burly dude knocked him on his butt. Can I say butt? Knocked him on his rear end. And, and Brett Favre hopped up, and you could see his lips moving. He said, is that all you got, big fella? And he ran back to the huddle. I want to look the devil in the eye, and when he comes against me with all his mess, I want to be able to say, is that all you got, big fella? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I want that kind of power. I want that kind of faith. I want, I want to be able to rise the level of commitment and desire of the people around me because what's coming out of me. And that doesn't happen on our own. It doesn't happen. on. It's, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what I know. Nobody wants a Christianity that's hidden out of fear and embarrassment. Why would somebody want something you're not comfortable with? And the Holy Spirit can change that. He comes in you when, receive Christ, when you receive Christ. But there's another dynamic that he will, his empowering presence that gives you boldness to witness and to share your faith. Because there's a world that Christ longed for and there's a neighbor that Jesus died for and there's a coworker that ne- desperately needs to know the love of God. And so today, this is how we're going to end. This is how I want to conclude. The Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew, if a son asks for a fish, he won't give him a serpent. Or if he asks for a piece of bread, he won't give him a stone. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So today we're going to ask Him, what are we asking of the Holy Spirit? Here's three quick prayers I would encourage you to pray. Now, in just a moment, and throughout your weeks and the months and even the years ahead, Holy Spirit, show me. If you're the convincer, if you're the one that convinces me, if you're the one that leads me, I open up my heart to you and I say, show me. Here's here's what the psalmist said. Search me, O God, and know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me. So today, I'm encouraging you, when I get done preaching, don't run out of here. Don't think the service is over because God wants to do something in your life. If you'll ask Him, He'll show you. He'll point you in the right direction. You, you, I mean, I love prayer people and I love spiritual leaders, but the Spirit of God can talk to you today. He can talk to you about the direction you're supposed to go. He can help you with the sin that you're struggling with. If you'll ask Him, you'll just say, Holy Spirit, show me. He'll put his finger on it. He said, why isn't this working? Why isn't this happening? The Spirit of God can show you. Here's another thing. Holy Spirit, change me. I don't want to be transformed. I don't want to be conformed into this pattern of this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Holy Spirit, you're the agent of change. Change me today in Jesus' name. Here's the scripture. Can I give you a scripture? For the Lord is the is a spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom so all of us who have had the veil removed when you get born again you realize you need a savior you accept Christ as your Lord you repent of your sins you see and now you reflect the glory of the Lord because that's what Christians are supposed to do and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image 
So God, I want to be more like you today than I was yesterday and more like you tomorrow than I am today. I want to be changed from glory to glory to glory. And so in this moment, in this place, I cry out, Holy Spirit, change me. Change me. Here's the last thing. Holy Spirit, fill me. God, you did it in Acts chapter 2. You did it in Acts chapter 10. You did it in Acts chapter 19. Do it in my life. God, you're no respecter of person. You do not change. And I need an infusion. I, I want to be, be all that you want me to be. Here's what Paul said. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to sin, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is a command. It's not a request. It's a command, and a command is for your good, for your benefit, or for the good of the kingdom. Paul said it's for your good, it's for your benefit, it's for the good of the kingdom that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? I ask. Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Amen, everybody? Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me, will you? Why don't, you just, why don't you just get to your feet? Stand to your feet. Let's, let's acknowledge the Holy Spirit's here today. Lord, we acknowledge where two or three are gathered in your name, you're in their midst. We acknowledge that you're here and you want to do something in each of our lives. You want to do something individually and you want to do something collectively. And so we say, Spirit of God, have your way. We say, Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, we open up our lives. Why don't you put your hand on your heart right now and say, say, Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, I lay my heart before you. Pinpoint that thing that needs adjusting. Reveal to me what I need to do, where I need to go, how I need to respond. Lord, show me today. Can we just take a moment right there? Lord, show me. Lord, help me. Make it personal, whatever the thing is that you need God's help with. Lord, I don't want any way, anything to hinder my relationship with you. Is there an attitude? Is there an action? Is there something that needs to be changed today? Well, then, Holy Spirit, change it. I lean on you. I depend on you. May the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit begin to change me from the inside out. Lord, you've given me a new nature. Help me to live in that new nature. Help me to walk by that new nature. Lord, I want to love what you love and hate what you hate. I want to respond the way you respond, God. Jesus, change me. I don't want my circumstance to dictate my my feelings. I I want to be dictated by the word of God. I, I I don't want to live by sight. I want to live by faith, Jesus. Change me today. Take my doubt and fear and turn it into trust. Lord, take my anxiousness and turn it into peace. Lord, take my insecurity and give me security today and who I am in you. God, do it. God, do it. And Lord, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me. Empower me. Empower me. Trevor's going to lead us in a chorus. I just I do think there I'm not say this a lot. I think there's something about stepping out. If you're here today and Jesus by his spirit has convinced you that you need a savior, that you're not right with God, 
I'm going to encourage you to step out from where you're standing. And by an act of stepping out, you're just saying, God, I recognize and acknowledge that you're speaking to me, and I want to respond to you. I want you to forgive me. I, I want to be made right with God. I want to repent of my sin and give my life to Christ.